Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing five headlines with bad advice and what's really going on. Then we'll talk about how to increase the value of your business before you sell it. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and president of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. Brian, hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Hard to believe it, but Thanksgiving just around the corner, Brian. We are smack dab into the holiday season here, and pretty soon it's going to be 2024. And stay tuned because we've got some great shows leading up to the end of the year. And of course, after the beginning of the year, boy, are you really going to be surprised at the things that we talk about because there's a lot, lot going on here. But uh, right now, Brian, I want to talk about the uh, financial news that I read each and every day on my computer. What it occurs to me is that what is fact one day seems to be fiction the next. There are 180 degree diametrically opposed views to things. Has that been your experience, Brian? Yeah, and more so of recent years. Our, our world is changing, how we consume information and so forth. And I think this is an important topic because a lot of my show is a reflection of the meetings I'm having with my clients. So it's not just me going you know, online and going, oh, what's, what would be interesting to talk about? It's, okay. Okay, what are the meetings? What are the concerns? What are we talking about? What am I talking about with my clients? What are they bringing up as their concerns? So one of the more common things that I deal with when I'm talking to my clients, we're doing reviews, we're talking about their accounts, is that they're very concerned, they're nervous, they're sometimes freaking out, we'll call it. They've read something, they've heard something, they've talked about something, stuff is in the news. They got a a blog, an email, an advertisement, uh, read an article. They went on YouTube. They went on Fox or CNN, whatever. They're reading this stuff and they're getting nervous. And the one thing that I find really interesting in in these many of these cases is, well, how's your portfolio doing? They're like, "Um, I, I haven't really been paying attention to that. But I'm sure it's getting hammered because of all the terrible things going on in the world. I'm like, well. Let's focus on your actual returns because shouldn't that trump what somebody's reading? Because we have to understand now. I want to give an example of that, Jeff. It just hit my head. I remember I used to, before Zoom, drive into Seattle. I was super honored to be a regular guest on CNBC Closing Bell, the number one cable show in America at the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe still is. I don't know. And I was invited over and over. And I remember sitting there, I'd done my research. I had some really good data to share about the market and how it was a good deal. And it was undervalued and why the price earnings ratio, the forward peg ratio, the growth of earnings for corporate America, all this stuff. I had all this good data. And the producer got in my ear. I would go to a studio in Seattle and there would be, I couldn't see a screen. There was cameras on me. I had I was hook, all hooked up to sound in this soundproof booth kind of thing. And I had no visual clues whatsoever. Really difficult to do live national TV with no <laughs> uh, clues whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, the producer gets in my ear. He said, okay, we want you to bring it. Bring the energy. Uh, be controversial and, and all this stuff. And he was rah, rah, rahing me. And I was like, well, I, I have some really good data here. Do you want me to share any of that and he's like uh no no uh, and i was like but it's very informational and you know educational and i think it could really help people and he's like nah no just bring it just bring energy and be interesting and and all this stuff i'm like oh i see i'm reminded in that moment this is an entertainment show yes this is not about educating somebody on making helping them make good decisions this is about I need to get you fearful or greedy, (laughs) one or the other. I got to get your emotions. So it's about getting into their emotions and talking about things that get them agitated and upset because that's what gets them to tune in and stay tuned in. So I understood that. I still, you know, put in my stats and that's who I am. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to educate. But 
I understood that the media and, and the information that we're getting over this is for one of two reasons. You're either selling media, which means I got to get you agitated mm-hmm. and want to tune in for more to see what you're, you know, fear of missing out or, or just what are you going to need to look out for? Your life is going to be upended. Or it's greed. I got something to sell. I hate annuities. You should too. Is my one I always turn to. Well, annuities aren't bad. They're appropriate in some cases, not in others. Stock market is appropriate in some cases, not others. Don't tell me that everybody should be in the stock market 100% of the time, including my 80-year-old widow client that, that can't mm-hmm. sleep at night. You know, there's there's no inherently good or bad financial product out there. And so greed. Uh, they're trying to sell something, so they're you know disguising it as an article or as a, something they can hype up and say certain things. So. I'm glad we're talking about this because this is probably one of the number one things I do talk about with my clients is undoing some of the garbage that's going in and is being put out there in today's society where we have access to so many different sources of supposed news. But I don't know who's actually doing news anymore. It's more opinion and and, uh, fear greed. And Brian, I think you're really spot on with those comments. And I'll say this. I've been in electronic media now for more than 40 years in radio and television. And I've got to tell you, in case our listeners don't know this, it's all about getting eyes and it's all about getting ears to listen to you. And remember that drama sells and we're there to drum up an audience so that our advertisers can sell things to people. And unfortunately, as you said, there really isn't any really unbiased information out there these days. And that's why I'm so proud of Growing Your Wealth is that this is a whole different type of talk show because we're here to give sincere and actionable ideas every week for people regardless of whether we're selling something. And I think you had a seminar once in which you asked people, what am I selling? What was the result of uh, that question? (laughs) I remember that because they were just dumbfounded because I was at the end of the seminar and they're like, uh, one guy finally said, I guess you're selling you? And I said, no, I'm not for sale. Next. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, you're selling education? Well, I, yes, I did educate, but how much did you pay to get that education? And what's my follow-up uh, education series going to cost you? And they're like, uh, nothing. That's right. Uh, you got 100 videos on, and websites and, and a book I can download, and it's all free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not selling that. They're, they were dumbfounded. And I said, perfect. I appreciate the response that you can't answer that question. <laughs> because if you can sit there and say, well, you're clearly selling the stock market because you hate annuities and I should too. And you hate gold and you hate everything else. And so you, you're selling the stock market or market's going to crash. Okay. You're selling precious metals or the market's going to crash. You're selling annuities. Okay. I, I know what you're selling me or trying to sell me. So uh, yeah, I, I remember that because I was so thrilled that after an hour of listening to me, they couldn't tell me what I was selling. <laughs> Brian, let's give some examples here. Recently, we've heard about WeWork, but in 2014, the headline was WeWork, now a $5 billion co-working startup, but uh, things didn't quite work out that way. Right. What I want to talk to about here is avoiding the hype because this is the greed cycle. You know, we hear we everybody knows somebody that made a lot of money on Microsoft and Amazon and Apple and and you know the seven companies that kind of dominate the S and P five hundred. So they're all going. Well, I I need to get the next one. And so uh, sometimes we hear about oh, this new thing's coming out. Uh, they're making electric trucks or WeWork. You know, what's that? Oh, they rent office space. Well, everybody needs office space. You know, so you jump on that band wagon and then one of the the headlines after the it's worth five billion was WeWork once valued at 47 billion dollars files for bankruptcy and so it's not easy to find that next Apple Microsoft Amazon Google Nvidia Facebook those companies are rare the rest of the companies are not those companies. And there are thousands and thousands of publicly traded companies that aren't those seven companies. And WeWork happened to be one of them. So there's a lot of times I've seen clients go, well, I kind of got greedy. I put a quarter or half or most of my portfolio into the next up and comer. They bought into the hype. They didn't do their analysis. I'm like, well, do you know what their sales projections are and their profit margins and what, what their what ifs are in different various stages? And if they had, they'd go, Oh, wait a second. These companies aren't even profitable. Maybe I shouldn't put my life savings in. I, I didn't do the analysis. So make sure that you understand how to read uh, financial data at a deep level before you invest in something. Avoid the hype. I mean, I, I prepared audited financial statements for a living. I know how to read one. And so we got to go deep dive if you're going to put lots of money into something. So be careful of the hype. 
Here's another headline, Brian, that it uh, is rather interesting. Annuity payments are 30 to 60% higher. Hey, it's time to reconsider. Okay, I, I'm my favorite textbook was? <laughs> uh, lying with statistics. How to lie with statistics. <laughs> right. I remember uh, seeing some of these savings accounts at the bank, and they were in high-yield savings, and they could put the headline out, we've tripled our return on our high-yield saving. Come see us. Yeah, it used to be 0.1, and now it's 0.3. <laughs> okay. You can, you can, we've multiplied it by 10 times what it used to be. Oh, you went from 0.1 to 1 in today's interest rate environment. I can lie with anything. I can make it look awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening here is annuity payments are 30 to 60% higher. Well, then maybe they were too low before. You can read that and go, wow, I better get me one. And I'm saying, whoa, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What is their, their baseline here? What are their alternative products? Are we talking about a new one or a renewal of one? Are we talking about an annuity you already have that you're in the middle of a surrender period? These are all questions that need to be addressed because even with a particular annuity, there are different crediting amounts. Oh, you're buying a new one? You get a good crediting amount. Oh, you bought one five years ago? Yeah, our renewal stink. But it's the same annuity. Shouldn't they be the same? Yeah, but we already got your money kind of tied up, so we don't really have to deliver. So there are some companies that do that. Some companies that have very poor renewal histories. And how would you ever know this? How could you know that? You can't. But, you know, we're in this business. We understand this. We understand how to get behind the numbers. So don't get sold on a a supposed benefit only. Understand the negatives, the detriments. Uh, A lot of the annuities, for instance, I I go with now, uh, they're locked in. They're locked into what their promises are. So they can't change them on me. I feel a lot better about that one than a variable one, especially with a company with a bad reputation for that. Obviously, I wouldn't put a client with that. So these are things you cannot know on your own, which if you have the proper financial advisor, which we would you know, like to be for those that are a good fit for us, that we could guide you through the process on nuances you didn't even know probably uh, to ask about. Brian, I'm sure that based on our conversation here, our listeners may have been subject to believing some of these things. They'd like to get in and sit down and uh, have a conversation with an advisor at Madrona Financial just to sort of sort out what's uh, truth from fiction. Well, if you're one of those people, call 833-673-7373 right now and request your Madrona analysis. Once again, 833-673-7373. Now, this is a conversational analysis that's not going to cost you a dime, but it could uncover some blind spots that when addressed will help you get on the right path towards retirement. You've got to have at least $500,000 of investable assets to qualify, but as a bonus, if you do, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. It's not going to cost you a dime, remember, but this analysis could be just what you need to sort fiction from fact when it comes to these headlines and get on a proper path to retirement. Once again, that number 833-673-7373. We have opened the phone lines right now so you can call today. Once again, that number 833-673-7373. Brian, let's continue our conversation here about the headlines. This is one that I see quite frequently. Gas prices are still falling. It might be time for a road trip. Yeah, there's there's no problems with where we get our, our oil and, <laughs> around the country or, or anything like that, is there, Jeff? Uh, uh, I don't think so. No, no yeah. of course not. Well, maybe, <laughs> you know, sometimes, uh, you know, here's a headline that kind of says, all right, let your guard down. Everything's fine. Don't worry about anything. In fact, gas price is going down. Why don't, you, why don't we go for a long road trip? I mean, it's, it's time. Don't worry about things. And I'm looking at this going, huh. Well, let's see. I've got Trudeau in Canada who would probably like to shut down uh, petroleum and, and go all green. I've got the current administration that, you know, that is not real positive for uh, signing leases, oil you know, exploration or drilling leases. And who knows who the next administration is? What if it's Gavin Newsom? What if it's mm. one of these other people? And then, then hmm. So the, some of the biggest reserves in the world are in Canada and the U.S. And let's say, well, okay, let's say legislation shuts them down and and then okay well we'll just go to iran and iraq to get our oil right <laughs> saudi arabia hmm anybody see any problems there yeah any, that might uh, be problematic <laughs> might be problematic uh yeah let's get more involved in sending money to the middle east because that's 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 a really good investment right now uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong we have to keep our eye on this kind of stuff i just bring this up as a and as an example uh, you brought up oil and gas I, I, we could do that with a hundred different topics i would think 
just make sure that we're understanding what's going around us and, and what drives the investments, the underlying investment values of what you're in. Even things like real estate. I mean, I would just analyze, I've spent hours analyzing one chart and it's the projected growth rates of rents relative to their historical average of every single subsector of the real estate market. I mean, I've got sectors like cold storage. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, cell towers, certainly industrial parks, and you know, the, the basic and residential office, you know, self storage, that kind of thing, student housing. But there's all these different areas, and understanding what the supply and demand curve on that, understanding why industrial park demand is going to create higher prices because it's highly correlated to internet sales, which are supposed to double over five years, and we can't double the amount of industrial parks, as an example. It's kind of nerdy out there but breaking it down to that area a uh, stock market you know people go, oh it's it's volatile well why and what is this underlying valuation of all the different components of the U.S. and the foreign stock markets relative to their long-term average and what's the prognosis for profits which drive those prices of those markets in the end. And so understanding what's going on at a deep, deep level is so important. So we can read headlines like, hey, get in the car and drive. Don't worry. Gas prices are dropping. All right, that's fine. But that's not to me financial planning or or looking into the future and, and trying to understand where are the pitfalls? What do I need to avoid? That's what we spend our time I spent a lot of time doing that, but I'm just one person. I, I got a whole investment committee here that we talk about this stuff and get in deep dives. We go to events. We talk to vendors. We read their stuff. We, we get in behind the numbers. We spend the time because it's so important because, you know, we manage a lot of money and we want to get it right. So that's that's kind of a, another interesting angle in all this. And Brian, when you mentioned Gavin Newsom, I was right there in the middle of taking a drink of coffee. I almost spit it out there for a moment. I can't, well, I can't figure out why he's going going to China and well, uh, you know we'll see Biden everybody thinks is too old and uh, who, who's going to well, step up uh, hmm, I don't know I, I can read the tea leaves here I'm pretty sure uh, he's running a campaign in the background here yeah well look at the great job he's done in the state of California so oh, I yeah. don't know but anyway just be careful if you mention if I'm drinking coffee I don't want to get it all over you <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're Jeff. talking about some of these headlines here and what to believe and what not to believe I want to throw another one out you Brian <laughs> this one is how to retire like a billionaire. Yeah, that's going to get me to click on that one. Yeah, yeah, because I need a, to be a billionaire to be happy. Did sure. I tell you that, Jeff? No, I you didn't know, know that. 100 million is not <laughs> enough because somebody out there has more. And my ego is the size of Texas, and I yeah. need to have more. When I get to be a billion, I will not be happy, by the way, Jeff. I, I think the headline should have said, <laughs> how to retire like a 50 billionaire. Yeah, there you because go. Because there are those people out there, and if I have a billion, I'm going to feel like a pauper when I meet you know Jeff Bezos and all these other people. Yeah. Well, it's like, so, uh, it, it's like the pro athletes, Brian. I mean, you get a contract for $200 million, $300 million. It's like, that's not enough. Yeah, this guy- No, really that's f- disrespectful because four- somebody else just signed a $301 million dollar contract. <laughs> I only have a $300 million contract. I've been disrespected and I'm not happy. <laughs> well, what can I buy with $300 million that I'd be able to buy with $301 million? That's my question. That's, oh, that's, I, I don't know that I can answer that one, Jeff. And this comes up a lot because we have been as a society of as Americans, we have been drilled that if you have more money, you will have more happiness, hmm. period. End of story. It's all about having more. And if you have more, you, you need to get more and more. And so I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I had this conversation with clients. It's like, what is enough to live the lifestyle you want to live and leave the legacy you want to leave? And once they've analyzed that, they're going, oh my gosh, I'm already there. Yes. And would another million dollars in your statement change your life? I know it'd make you happier. Okay. I went from 6 million to 7 million or whatever the case may be. Okay. Are you happier now? Well, no. Are you going to change your lifestyle? Are you going to order a nicer steak when you go out? Are you going to, you know, no, I kind of am who I am. I, I like what I like and I can have everything I want. Okay. So you have enough to live the lifestyle you want to live and so forth. Yes. Okay. Well, that should be the goal, not the goal to have a certain number on your statement. I don't want to be a billionaire, Jeff. Let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. And I had this conversation with somebody who was a hundred millionaire. He said, I'd be way happier if I had 10 million because yeah. there's no way I can spend $10 million. Clearly I have two boys. I don't think I should leave 5 million to each of them. I certainly shouldn't leave 50 million to each of them. 
but that's what's going on. I'm going to ruin their lives. <laughs> I've got a hundred million. I'll never spend it. Uh, it doesn't change my life to make more money or not make more money. I remember this conversation and, and my life's just way more complicated. And now I worry about ruining people's lives and I worry about taxes. I worry about estate planning. I worry all the time. I've got all this portfolio of investments. I worry about them. I'm like, well, you're 70 years old. He said, I absolutely would be better off having one-tenth the fair market value of what I have. But it is what it is. And it was an interesting conversation for me to, to really dissect that and say, you're absolutely right. Don't try and be the richest person in the graveyard. You will never get there. You will never, be, there will always be somebody with more money in that graveyard than you when you passed away. That does not make people happy in my observation. Fair market value does not make you happier when you have enough. So if you have enough to live the life you want to live, having more doesn't necessarily or frankly very often make you happier. So the, the takeaway here is, you know, stop chasing something you can't get to. You can't be the richest person that you know. You just can't. And so if that's your goal in life, that's going to be a problem for you. So if you're chasing that objective, uh, you might want to create a life plan instead. How you would use that resource called finances and money to create that lifestyle you want to live, the legacy you want to have, uh, the gifting strategy while you're alive to your kids, grandkids, and or charities, and plan that out instead of worrying about being the richest person in the graveyard. Well, I think you're exactly right, Brian. Our program is called Growing Your Wealth. And to me, wealth is more than just finances. It's health, it's relationships, it's being able to give better too. And that's what this program is all about. We cover mostly the financial side of it, but never forget that wealth really encompasses a lot of different things for different people. Let's go on to the last headline here that I see, Brian. Nine of the best performing 401k funds. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Okay, what do you mean over the last month, the last year, the last three years, the last five years, or 10 years? First off, uh, you didn't answer any of those questions. Okay, well, they're going to pick something. So they might pick the last year. I remember coming across this study, and it was years ago, and, and please don't follow this advice, but I found it interesting that this study, and yeah, again, lie with statistics. They, they could have been lying with statistics, but they said the best strategy is to look at your 401k options, and the three worst ones from last year, pick them in the next year, because you're probably buying low, and they're probably going to recover. And they did a back test on that where they had one angle pick the three best ones from the prior year, assuming that they'll just repeat that. And then the other person would pick the three worst ones. And the one that was picking the three worst ones outperformed the three best ones. I think it was seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 years. And it was like, you know, as crazy as that sounds, it actually makes a lot of sense. Aren't we supposed to buy low and sell high? Don't we know that things are volatile, that sometimes things are down and then they recover? I remember in the NASDAQ after 9-11 and 2000 recession, 2001 and all that stuff went from like 5,000 down to 1,000. And boy, that would have been a good time to buy. But nobody wanted to touch tech stock in 2003. That was the worst thing in the world. So again, we letting our emotions take over. It's like, I'm just going to pick what did best last year. Well, do you know how, how low the odds are that the sector of the markets that did the best in the last year will just continue to repeat that year after year? I don't think that's very likely for the most part. So again, the articles that you read in Money Magazine or wherever, what are the best performing 401k funds? And everybody, oh, I better read this and put my money in those. Well, that may not be an awesome strategy. So again, don't just chase last year's winners. Have a plan. Don't just be chasing whatever uh, made someone else rich and then you're late to the party and, okay, I'm going to buy crypto today because it's awesome and it's way up or I'm going to buy, uh, I'm not telling you to buy or not buy crypto. I'm just saying that some things are, are at uh, all-time highs and analyze whether it makes sense going forward that they will continue to do what they've done in the past because the past is the past. And if you didn't own it, that's not you. So just because it looks good on the, in the article and has a high, high return, you didn't own it. So do you want to own it going forward? That's really the question you should answer. Brian, this has been a great conversation here about really looking behind the headlines of our listeners would like help with this and picking the right things for their portfolio, really understanding the hype out there or separating the hype from what's real. We invite you to give us a call at Madrona Financial and to request your Madrona analysis. Call 833-673-7373. You can do that right now. It's just going to be a conversational analysis to put you on a path towards a retirement, which you not only survive, but you also thrive. Once again, our phone lines are open. 
open right now, 833-673-7373. And if you have $500,000 of investable assets and qualify, we'll send you as a bonus Brian's brand new book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. If you're just joining us, this is Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We've just finished discussing five headlines with bad advice and what's really going on. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search for Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You'll find this show and weekday takeaways. We're going to take a quick break, Brian. When we come back, we'll be discussing how to help increase the value of your business before you sell. Stay tuned. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about how to help increase the value of your business before you sell it. Brian, as I understand it, a business is just a business. I mean, it has profit that influences the sales price. Doesn't seem like there's really much more to it. What am I missing here? Oh, nothing, Jeff. That's it. Uh, <laughs> that's, so it's, that's, we're it's done with our simple. segment. <laughs> yeah. So enjoy uh, 25 minutes of dead air, everybody. Because uh, yeah. well, nothing I, to talk about here. I got no band. Oh. There's uh, there's no orchestra here. So and no studio audience. So if you could just give me oh, a few more. Wait, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> there is a lot to this, and I don't have enough time to fully cover it. But I'm going to do my best <laughs> from 40,000 foot view. All right. And I thought the best way to kind of talk about this, and one of the reasons I wanted to, and I always like to frame things up. Right. So one of the reasons. I want to talk about this is people listening go, well, if you have $500,000 or more of investable assets, give us a call, et cetera, et cetera. There is a lot of people out there and go, well, I have $500,000, I think, of assets, but they're not investable because I invest everything into my business. People ask me all the time, well, where have you put all your, your money in the stock market? I said, well, I bought three stocks. I pretty much put everything I own into three stocks. And they're like, what? Three stocks, what are they? And I say, well, they're Bauer Evans CPA, Madrona Financial, and Madrona Insurance. <laughs> yeah. They're my businesses. That's where I put all my money. And I was like, because I believe in me and I believe in us and my coworkers and, our, and what we're doing and, and everything. And so it's like, okay, can you buy lunch, Brian? No, no, I, I put all my money in my business. I don't have any money. I can't invest money. So I'm not even sure I would qualify as a, my own client because everything I have is in my businesses. And so a lot of people listening might go, yeah, well, that's where my money is. Someday I hope to have that money and it would come when I sell it. Okay, so that's why we're addressing what's your plan to sell it. And I want to give two examples. One, how to do it right and one, how to do it wrong. And they're real life examples. I'll change the names to protect the innocent and all, all that kind of thing. And they might surprise you. One example is I was expanding my company and I thought, okay, I could do it through acquisition. And there was a, a local CPA firm, been here for decades. And so I looked at that firm and then there was a client of ours that we were helping get ready for sale that was in uh, manufacturing. And so the owner of that company didn't have a college education, great sales guy, super nice guy, just had a knack for things. And so two businesses. And so one of the first things that we look at, uh, I've got kind of a bullet point list here, is before you sell a business, I, I'm not looking at it unless I have really good financials, multi-year financials, comparatives, profit loss, balance sheet, everything's good. I, I understand where the profitability is. I understand trends. I can see things. What's your uh, labor as a percent of revenue? What's your marketing costs and you know officer salary? And, and what are the replacement costs for that? And what's the, the trend line on that? And what's the trend line in your profit and, and top line and everything like that? So I went to the accounting firm and I asked him for his financials. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I really don't have any. I said, okay, you don't have any finance. No, I don't, I don't really do that. How about your tax return? Yeah, I haven't done that yet either. And I, I've got a couple schedules here I could show you. And they were just like handwritten garbage. Okay. Again, I, I reiterate, I was looking to buy a certified public accounting firm that had been in business for decades. And I asked him for financials and he couldn't provide them. What's wrong with that picture, Jeff? <laughs> well, it seems like if you're in the accounting business, you're in the financial business that you would kind of do what you preach, I 
would think. Well, he's either a terrible accountant or he doesn't want to show me that he doesn't have a profitable business. Okay. That is the actual answer to that question. Okay. Conversely, the fellow that didn't have the college education and, and all that stuff was smart enough to say, I need to have really good financials. Mm-hmm. And so our CPA firm had been doing his stuff. We had great, you know, whenever somebody said, oh, could you give me a comparative analysis of the cost of goods sold uh, year by year over the last five years? Sure. <laughs> Punch that right up. That's easy. We have all that stuff. So there, there was a difference there. I mentioned profitability. I asked the guy, okay, well, just tell me how much you think you, you the, the CPA, how much do you think you make? And he, he told me a number. I said, is that before or after you're paid? And he's like, oh, well, the, you know, I, I pay myself some. Oh, how much? Well, I don't really, you know, a little bit, you know, like, okay. When we got down to the bottom of it. I was like, all right. One of the aspects of selling a business is it has to be turnkey. What happens after you leave? Because if there's nothing there, you're not selling a business. You're selling a job and people will not pay for a job. Okay. They might pay for it, but they shouldn't. If there's no profitability when you leave the premises, then again, you don't have a business to sell other than the liquidation value of your real estate equipment, cash, accounts receivable, just the stuff. Uh, you don't have any goodwill. And so I asked him and I I came to the conclusion sitting there is if you left, I have to replace you. I have to hire personnel to do what you're doing now. Once I hired them and paid them their benefits and payroll taxes, I literally would be taking money out of my pocket on an annual basis to give to the business to keep it afloat because you don't have any profitability. You do not have a business. And he wanted close to a million dollars for this thing. Well. Wow. And I'm already sitting there. Now it's just a case study. Wow, you don't have financials and you don't have a profitable business. What else you got? <laughs> what else is here? Well, I have some debt. And oh, another fun one on that was, okay, tell me about your customer base. Well, a third of our revenue is from one client down south, uh, an old high school buddy. I said, yeah, he's not going to move along uh, after I buy this firm uh, from you uh, as if I would have. And he said, no, he won't be coming over. I'm like, wow. Okay, I'm already, if I kept that client, <laughs> just treading water, losing a little bit of money. Now when I lose that client, that comes right off the top line. That all goes to the bottom line because I was doing all the work and I had to hire that out. Oh, disaster, right? And so conversely, on the other company that I'm talking about, really super strong profits, had done the work to hire the supervisors, managers to replace his function to where somebody could come in and go, boy, the business doesn't really change that much if you're not here anymore. That's right. And so along the way, we were able to document processes. He had a a great list of assets, uh, clients, because he was basically selling his his client goodwill, that he had contracts and so forth. That's where the value was. It wasn't in the value of the computers or the manufacturing equipment or anything like that. It was in the relationships that had been built up and transferred to uh, other uh, salespeople there, the contracts they had, the profitability that they had from that, the lack of the unknowns, because we could see the, the financials year after year, the tax returns, all that stuff, knew exactly what was there so that the contracts and the agreements and the all the relationships that had created that where where the goodwill is and I say that because at one point he shared with me that at one point not that many years ago a few years ago he was told it was worth a million dollars and someone else another business broker came and said it was worth five million dollars and I was very pleased to hear then he went sought professional advice a company that helped stage the business for sale now, we at Madrona Financial CPAs are not business brokers, okay. but we were um, coming alongside because we were very important in this process on a couple of different ways, being the CPA firm and getting all the data right and, and the taxes and the analysis of what happens if you're not here, what's your, you know, the replacement of you cost, what's that do to profitability, cleaning it up, getting all the personal stuff out, making sure the debt was out of the equation and understanding our profitability and knowing it was uh, recurring and all that stuff. We did that. That work and in the final analysis he ended up getting 15 million dollars and it was it was valued at 1 million by somebody not that less than five years ago but by going through this process now the, the rest of the story is you know our CPA firm helped him get to that point where he could do that now when he sold it we were able to now talk about investing at Madrona talk about investing it uh, tax efficiently and we ended up being his uh, investment advisor too and we, we were able to look at uh, different components. If he had good real estate for sale, we could uh, talk about Delaware Statutory Trust through 1031 exchanges to defer and potentially permanently eliminate the tax and all the gains of that. 
someday. We could talk installment sales. We could talk the bifurcation of the sales proceeds between goodwill, non-compete, inventory, hot assets, uh, d- different. You break down a sale of a business into various components. They all have a different tax ramification, different tax treatments. We were able to walk them through that. And what a great, wonderful story when it all came to the end there, when he sold it and was able to do all this stuff so well as compared to that CPA. Uh, I don't know what he ended I think he did end up selling it. I do know the rest of the story there. I remember he did sell it to another CPA firm that didn't even do the proper analysis a mm. CPA should that oh. I've been talking about here. That office was that had been there for decades was closed before the next tax season hit. Oh they completely gosh. shut it down. They paid him money. I don't know how much. And they closed it down because they didn't do their homework. We're talking about staging a business with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And staging a business is a lot different from staging a house. I mean, it's not, you know, having the smell of pumpkin spice when you come into the office or, you know, great furniture, something like that. It's all about the financials. And Brian, later on in the program, I want to talk about how you take that money and invest it for people who have sold businesses. But I want to talk about in this particular part of the program, who you sell the business to. You actually have a couple of different options. Yeah. Once you've uh, set that business up, have the processes and documentation, the financials, business valuation, legal and compliance, operational streamlining, marketing and presenting uh, all that stuff. You've got the professionals uh, there and you're doing your due diligence and your transition plan, all of that. Now we have to talk about, you know, before we certainly a, a big part of that is business valuation. What is a business worth? That, that's a tough one. And by the way, we are not business valuation people, but we would work along with the company you would hire to help you stage it, being the CPA and investment advisor, along with a business appraiser and and analyzing that. Then you have to decide, all right, if your plan is to sell the business, you've got all your ducks in a row, you've you've done some of the things I've talked about here, you think it's worth a, a certain amount of money, who are you selling it to? Are you going to sell it to your family? Are you going to sell it to your key employees? Are you going to have an external sale? Do you want to be cashed out up front? Of course you do, but can you? Probably not if you're selling to family or employees. Or is it going to be an installment over time? Do you retain some ownership in the company? Do you retain a minority or majority interest in that company? How long do you stay on? Do you have a non-compete? What is your pay? What is your role during the time you stay on? And what are your ability to affect things if you sold it over time and things don't go well? Wow, I just hit a lot of points. You did. You're going, you did. Whoa. <laughs> Remember when we started this? There's not much to sell in a business, right? No. You just sell it, right? It's cut and dry. Oh, no, there's nothing to that. Uh, and that was just off the top of my head. I'm not even looking at a piece of paper right now. I just, just I know. I'm going through this going, whoa, well, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of things that can go wrong. So this is your life's work. This is your business. We want to help you get it right, not only in obtaining the best sales price and the best sale itself, but also after the sale and, and the tax effects, uh, making sure that they're the best they can be for you. If you have a business and you're interested in selling it or how to stage that business, once again, we invite you to give us a call at Madrona Financial and CPAs. You can do it today if you'd like. That number to call, 833-673-7373 and request your Madrona analysis, which can include the sale of a business. Just a casual conversation. And if you have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets, we will send you out as a bonus Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Remember, it is totally complimentary. There's no cost. There is no obligation. And this information could help you get more for your business in terms of staging it properly. Once again, that number 833-673-7373. And you can do that right now. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs, and we've been talking about staging a business for sale. Brian, you helped someone stage this business. They sold it successfully. Now they have the assets. What comes next? Well, the first thing we think of when we're selling a business, somebody's just going to come along and go, oh, it's worth $15 million? Yeah, I want to buy it. Here's a check. I got $15 million sitting in my checking account, and <laughs> I'll just write the check. But that's generally not what happens. So other ways that we can finance that is one of the best ways can be an SBA loan. So the Small Business Administration uh, 7A loan program helps provide financing for small business acquisitions, typically having favorable terms, lower down payments, and so forth. So that can be an excellent way, especially if you're selling to employees or family members, that they could uh, actually cash you out for a good chunk of 
of the purchase price or maybe all of it or part of it, whatever that may be, but going through uh, SBA. So that's certainly, you can go to a traditional bank loan, but I, I generally would say steer you to SBA working along with the bank. They work together on that. Seller financing, you can say, all right, pay me X amount a month for X number of years. And that can be a great way. You can defer the tax on that, the capital gains into years, spread them out, maybe reduce your Washington capital gains income tax that we now have in that case and lower your average capital gain bracket. The problem can be, however, and you know, there's no perfect answer to any of this stuff. Uh, the problem can be, what if they stop paying? You know, what can you do? What if they run the business into the ground and, and they stop paying and there's no way to get it back? So that, that can be an issue with seller financing. You could sell the private equity or venture capitalists if it's business is bigger. They're going to want control. So again, negatives to positives. We can do other things. You know, people can get family and friend loans if they want to buy your business. They can use retirement funds or generally not though. Generally, if you have a big retirement account, you're on the sell side, not the buy side. So partnerships, asset-based financing. One is called an earnout agreement mm-hmm. where they acquire uh, the buyer, uh, whether it's a family member again or an employee has a percentage of the business. Well, their income from the profits goes back to the sell in the form of payments until it's paid off. So basically the, the buyer of the business doesn't get any extra. They get their salary, no extra. That extra goes to the seller until the principal's paid off. So there can be any combination of things. I just want to say there's a lot more out there than just, you know, hey, just write me a check. Well, that would be great, but that's not realistic in most business cases. Brian, you piqued my interest when you talked about taxes. I would think that if you sell a business and let's say you get $15 million, I mean, you potentially are going to have a pretty good tax hit. How can you help people mitigate that? When I look at a business sale, Jeff, I hearken back to why I even started Madrona Financial once upon a time. I was helping a tax client sell their business and they wanted me to invest their money. Now, what was I helping him do? Well, obviously we were helping with the financials and all this other stuff, but also on the tax side of the sale, depending, as I mentioned earlier, depending on on how you allocate the sales price makes a difference on your taxes, a huge difference. And we won. We did a great job. We sold to a, a national company. And often in these cases, what's good for them isn't good for you and vice versa. But we were able to get the tax treatment we wanted. What I mean by that is we were able to split out the real estate and eventually do a a 1031 exchange into a Delaware statutory trust. That was great. There were other components of this, though. There was a goodwill component. Now, this company wanted to show everything as an asset sale, and so they could get accelerated depreciation write-offs. Well, we didn't want that because that turns into ordinary income. And ordinary income, we might be, oh gosh, we would be looking at, uh, with the new Washington State capital gains tax, we could have been looking at 40% tax rates or more on that. And so we're like, no, 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 no. We're selling goodwill. Uh, We have cost basis. Cost basis is tax-free. We had non-compete involved in this. We had, they call them hot assets, cash, accounts receivable, inventory. There was equipment, but we wanted that to be part of the goodwill. We were able to bifurcate the proceeds to make sure that we got capital gains treatment. Now, capital gains have a much lower tax rate than does other things. But we also have to now be concerned about the Washington capital gains tax. So, you know, I'm going to get in, if I get too far in the weeds here, I, I apologize. But what the point of this is that there are so many pieces. Now, why am I bringing this up? The reason I'm bringing this up is because over and over and over, I see businesses sell and they're, where are they getting their advice? Well, the financial advisor is not a CPA. The business broker is not a CPA. The business valuation person is not a CPA. And the CPA wasn't brought in with the understanding of DSTs and and some of these other things. And so we have a disconnect here. So what I see over and over is businesses sell, all of the gains are taxed that year at the maximum rate, maximum Washington capital gains, maximum tax on the sale of the real estate, maximum tax on ordinary income versus capital gains, all in one year where it's all piled up and that's where they get nailed. Well, I would like to not see that happen for my clients. I would like to have an opportunity to come alongside early in the process to figure out how can we minimize taxes 
And then once we've done that and gone through the business sale successfully, minimized the taxes, now we can come alongside as your investment advisor to maximize our opportunity with the, the money we have to invest. And we will have, if we've done our work well and had the proper opportunities with tax savings, we'll have more money of yours to invest for you rather than less. Brian, it seems that all the rage these days is artificial intelligence. We hear about it every place. And I played with chat GPT. What if I just, as a business owner, punched in some information about my business into chat GPT? Wouldn't it give me everything that I need to know to successfully sell my business? Well, honestly, Jeff, I think that's a great place to start, but it's not the end. It won't get into the depth of what we're talking about. It will miss very important areas, but it's a great place to say, wow, there's a lot of stuff here that I need to consider. And so why not get, you know, 60% of the way there with with that? I I think that's a great idea. But let me give you an example of why that doesn't work uh, in the final analysis. So I belong to the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and their personal financial specialist division. They have their top guys put together together a guide to analyzing a 1040 from an investment standpoint. It's about 800 pages. Okay. So you think, okay, this got to be the, the Bible, the encyclopedia of every, everything in there. And first off, I thought 800 pages, that's ridiculous. Nobody on the planet is going to read this, but let's just say someone did. And they did that, and then they had this situation. How would they respond? So I turned to the part where it talked about real estate. I remember I just mentioned, what if you're selling a business that has real estate? And as people that listen to me know, 1031 exchanges using Delaware Statutory Trust, we've done close to $200 million of those. They're life-changing for those people in, in the right circumstances, and so forth and so on. And I poured through their analysis of DSTs. Surely the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants investment arm would have great stuff better than I have on my website, right? Well, except that they didn't even mention them. Not even in the 800-page analysis. And I'm just shaking my head going, you're killing me. Because they overanalyzed. They had mountains of stuff on just immaterial issues as, as I see them. And the biggest opportunity I see out there for real estate investors in, in investment real estate was the, the one thing that they completely ignored. So if they're ignoring that, what are we missing through AI and all these other generic forms? So, you know, I, I was just so disappointed in, in, again, my own profession, which I often, I, I'm often hammering uh, the financial advisory <laughs> profession and, yeah. and so forth and people that say they're fiduciaries but can't offer all this stuff. Well, now I'm hammering on my CPA profession because, again, they don't understand the product side of things and, and how to put the deal together. I, I hearken this to, this is an academic approach. Mm-hmm. I know they're in New York City and they're very academic, but maybe they aren't talking to people and solving problems like we are here. I don't know, but I was very disappointed in that response. But just to reiterate, just reading something generic, and most stuff out there has to be generic, without the depth and breadth of, of understanding that that maybe you're you're picking up on if you're listening to this radio show today that you know you may not know everything I've said but you probably have surmised it I know a lot of <laughs> about things that I'm talking about here oh yeah uh, that's what people <laughs> tell me I don't know what you said but I know you know what you're talking about so I'm I'm good with that I'm like okay good enough so that's that's kind of my response to that. Oh, one more thing on, on chat GPT. The output's only as good as the input sometimes. You know, if you say, uh, what's a tax efficient way to sell my business versus what's a tax efficient way to sell my real estate in a business? And what's a tax efficient way to sell my real estate within a business using 1031 exchange and then adding DST to that? I'm probably going to get four different answers. And so if I didn't ask the right question, then I'm probably not going to get the right output. Same thing when it comes to, you know, we started uh, talking about how to value a business. There's a lot of different ways to value a business. A lot of them can be on your based on your net profit. That's a primary one we kind of start with. We call it EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Jeff, you bought me a hat once. And you're the only guy on that's got one of those hats. <laughs> I'm probably the only person on the planet that has a baseball cap with that. I remember I took it to a financial uh, thing that we had, and I was wearing it around. But it took a half a day before someone says, is that really EBITDA? I'm like, you're the first one. You get a prize today, man. That's right. <laughs> that was it's like, a that secret. Was awesome. CPA language that only you Secret guys know. Secret language that we share with each other. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm the life of the party there with that, huh? <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a multiple of EBITDA and those multiples have been changing over the years and certainly getting that calculation right. That goes back to the beginning of this segment. We talked about getting your financials in place. 
It can be an asset-based valuation where you don't really have goodwill. You just have stuff to sell. An earnings multiplier, so based on the gross. So CPA firms used to sell based on gross revenue. Uh, not so much anymore. I would always want the net income, the EBITDA calculation multiplier. There can be rules of thumb. Oh, it's worth you know X amount of number of clients I have or whatever. Maybe I sell pizzas. You know, I might mm-hmm. say, well, I have 10,000 clients, so it's worth a, a dollar a client, whatever. Return on investment and certainly having a professional valuation is a way to get at it. And hopefully they're comparing multiple uh, versions of this. Again, we are not a valuation company. We're not a business broker. We work alongside you as the business owner, your business valuation person, the, the company that's going to broker it and or stage it for sale. We can provide the, the CPA piece behind that to get that piece right. We can provide the tax efficient investment strategies, which very few people understand, including my AICPA personal financial specialist division, evidently. And uh, we can also provide the uh, investment analysis for life that encompasses uh, your cash flow, growth security planning for the rest of your life, gifting while you're alive to your kids, grandkids, and and charities, and your legacy plan for your spouse and and your heirs, so uh, and your estate planning related to that. So we, we can encompass all those other areas. So I just want to point that out. Brian, this has been an interesting and comprehensive uh, conversation here. If our listeners do have questions, phone lines are open right now to get your Madrona analysis. That number 833-673-7373, 833-673-7373. Just a conversational analysis and a conversation between you and a Madrona advisor to put you on the right path towards retirement and growing your wealth. Brian, we've talked about a lot of things on the radio program here today. Headlines with bad advice, what's really going on and how to increase the value of your business before you sell it. What do you think the takeaways are that you want people to leave this program with today? Yeah, I think the, the big takeaway, yeah, we did talk about headlines and, you know, don't just follow the hype and understand when you when you read something or see something, they're either trying to sell advertising time, you know, get you hyped up or they're trying to sell you a product. So once you, you know, follow the money, <laughs> understand how they get paid before you just take it as as truth. On uh, second half of the show, we talked about staging a business for sale. If you have a business and maybe you can't be a client now, but you certainly could be if you sold the business right, we want to help you get it right. So we talked about how to get that business ready. We call it staging it for sale, kind of like you'd stage a house, how to value a small business, all the different ways there. And then once you find the buyer and so forth, and you have all that uh, in place, how to finance that, how to sell it. And then once you figure that out, who the buyer is going to be, how do we do that in a tax efficient manner? How do we provide the options that you need to do that right? This information isn't easily accessible, and and so you're not going to get that uh, typing into AI or or going to the the typical advisors. So make sure you get that right. It can be life-changing, and we want to be part of that. And again, Brian, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for your time, but most importantly, I want to thank the fine people here of the Puget Sound for joining us. Don't miss a show by subscribing to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans wherever you get your podcast. Brian, we're out of time for this week. I want everybody to have a great weekend and be sure to join us again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your own individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversity guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DSD investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuers offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliate entities. Madrona Financial Services, LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans, Inc. PC. Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans. 